listen, uh, like I said, my name is Pastor Lance. I'm the Generations Pastor here um, at Celebration Church. And uh, I am just seriously honored to be able to share the word at any time um, that I can. But specifically here at, at, at my home church, here at Celebration Church, thank you to Pastor Frankie and Allie. They're like mentors, uh, like spiritual parents to my wife and I, great friends of ours. Um, just so thank you. Thank you so much. Doesn't everybody love our pastors? Isn't that awesome? I love our pastors, man. They're awesome leaders, care about people. Um, I love that. Well, listen, tonight uh, the title of my talk is called A Scandal Called Grace. Now, that should have got your attention already, okay? Uh, it's called A Scandal Called Grace. Um, and what we're going to be talking about specifically um, is the plot to kill Jesus. The plot to kill Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter uh, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. If you don't have your Bible, you can pull out your cell phone. Uh, the Bible app's really thorough. There's also a, um, a Bible inside of the church app. If you haven't downloaded that yet, um, uh, you can download that from wherever you download apps. So John chapter 11, let's start in verse 45. Let me preface this real quick. Um, Lazarus, Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. Um, it's Passion Week. It's actually um, somewhere between like Tuesday and Thursday um, in Passion Week, the week of uh, when Jesus was actually crucified on um, Good Friday. So it's right around the same time frame, but except like rewind 2,000 years, okay? So let me pray, um, and then we'll read a little bit of scripture um, if we can get started, all right? Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Father God, for your church, your bride that you love so much. Father God, we are thankful. Father God, we are uh, so joyful to be in your house tonight. And God, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would speak to us. Father God, give us the ears to hear. Give us the eyes to see the things that you are doing, Father God, in the natural as well as in the supernatural, Father God, all around us, working together for our good, orchestrating your plan, Father God, according to your destiny and our purpose, Father, in Jesus' name that I pray. Speak to your people tonight. Amen. In John chapter 11, verse 45 and 43, um, this is like immediately after um, Jesus said, raid Lazarus from the dead. It starts off like this. Many of the people who were with Mary uh, believed in Jesus when they saw this happen, meaning when they saw Lazarus come back from the dead. But some went to the Pharisees. Can everybody say Pharisees for me? Thank you so much. And told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs, and if we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it is better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Isn't that interesting? He thought that. He did not say this on his own as the high priest at the time. He was actually led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Somebody say, all the children of God. Thank you. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim, and he stayed there with his disciples. Everyone loves a good scandal, don't they? 
right? It's why reality TV is so popular, right? It's because it's like almost unbelievable that this is happening, right? It's, 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 it's literally, it's just, it's scandalous. Like it's, I mean, whether it's somebody uh, speeding away in a car chase or some sort of breaking news event that's happening on the news, you just seem to be, just gravitate towards it, right? It's just like, it's, 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 there's no ill intention in it. It's just, it just seems like you just, I just, I want to be involved in that. I don't know. I want to know more. Just, just, just please, just, just, it's so interesting. I, I can't believe this is happening, especially when it's not about us, right? Most definitely, most definitely. As long as it's about somebody else, I want to be involved in that scandal just as long as it's not about me, okay? Um, but first of all, what is a scandal? Let's define what a scandal is. And you see, tonight, a scandal can broadly be described or broadly be defined as this, uh, as an accusation or accusations that receive wide exposure. Now, it's a little bit of a play on words, a scandal called grace, because as I start to talk about um, or say scandal, we think that, uh, you know, there's some sort of negative light or negative connotation to it because it's normally spoken of that way. But something scandalous is basically anything really, accusations or whatever, um, that receive a lot of exposure. They get talked about. It's just something going on, you know. Usually scandals begin with things like, hey, have you heard, right? Or, um, um, but hey, did you know that? Or, or um, did, you, did, you, did, you, did you get the update? Did you see the status of, right? This is how these types of things kind of get widespread attention. Well, let me just clarify something real quick. Jesus never did anything scandalous, okay? Jesus never did anything scandalous. What we're talking about tonight is the fact that what happened to Jesus was a scandal of great proportions, okay? It was, it was seriously scandalous what happened to Jesus. In fact, if you were to, uh, if there was, let's say, uh, some sort of media outlet or some sort of media coverage uh, that you could read in the paper, uh, you actually kind of can read in the paper, but of what happened to Jesus during his lifetime, it was really, really ridiculous, okay? I mean, you have po political leaders, right? You have uh, religious leaders, you have followers, people that had sworn their loyalty and faithfulness to Jesus. You have friends, close family, people that he had fed, people that he had spoken to, given life to, spent hours and days, people turning their backs, people lying, people betraying, people going and cheating, people stealing, people receiving bribes. I mean, the whole thing is just scandalous what happened to him. Let's talk about some of these events. The scandal begins like this. Jesus the prophet has a following. In Matthew 21, verse 45, uh, Jesus it kind of begins around this time with a plot to kill him. Uh, kind, of, kind of begins this way when Pharisees, who were like religious leaders, and uh, the Sadducees, who were like great teachers of that day, they, they begin to start questioning Jesus and, and asking Jesus all these different things because what they want to do is they want to trap him. They want to catch him in a lie because he's got this great following. They want to see him trip up. They want to see him mess up so that way they can accuse him and then they can, they can punish him. They can discredit him, right? This seems not that uncommon today either. Matthew 21, 45 says they wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet, right? Skip down to verse 2235. It says one of them, an expert in the religious law, actually tried to trap him with this question. 
And so Jesus is surrounded by Pharisees and religious leaders of the day. And, and, and he begins to, to preach right after these chapters from about 22 all the way to uh, 26 in the book of Matthew. It's basically he is preaching about two things. He starts preaching about the future, things to come, specifically his return. And also he begins to specifically preach against the religious leaders of, those, of his day. Now, let me just clarify something real quick. We live in a democracy, thank God, okay? And we have this thing, I'm sure all of you are aware of it, you may have to think back to like 10th grade government class or whatever, that we have this awesome thing called the separation of church and state, right? There's this big, this clear delineation between what you believe or what you're, whatever you want to believe and what the government can uh, enforce in our lives, right? But in ancient Israel, in Jesus' day... Your religion was your government. This is exactly how it was. So if, if you had certain belief system, like the, the ancient Jews did, and you were to uh, sin or you were to break these, these rules, it, it was punishable like by being arrested or being beaten or being dragged outside and, and you know, someone throw rocks at you till you die. I mean, this was, this was serious business right here. So it might be a little bit harder for us to kind of understand because uh, when, when scandals happen in, or something like this happens in our church that we don't really agree with or whether it's in our culture, you know, people just kind of, you know, slap them on the wrist or they, they shake their heads and they say, oh, my gosh, can't believe that happened. But in their day, this was we're talking about life and death here. We're talking about prison. We're ta- you've, you've seriously messed up. OK, so this is a big, big deal now. From these conversations, after Jesus is, uh, he's beginning to, to preach against the religious leaders of his day, which is just like uh, throwing stones at the government, because basically he just disagreed with the way that they had aligned their belief systems um, and started enforcing these unrealistic um, rules and laws on people that they couldn't even fulfill themselves and had really honestly missed the point. Somebody say, missed the point. You see, they had missed, they had really just kind of missed the point. Okay? Now, from there, these these backroom meetings begin. Matthew 26, verse 3, it says, At the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest. And they're plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover, of course, that's this week, Passion Week. Uh, not during the Pass- Passover celebration because they agreed uh, or the people may riot. Now, to add to that scandal, one of Jesus' very own followers was involved in the scandal. Look at this. In Matthew 26, 14, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 men that followed Jesus, went everywhere with him. Uh, walked and saw and was actually in charge of the money bag that, over his basically his finances, Jesus' ministry finances. It says right here, the Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and he asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver, which is a, a ridiculous amount of money in that day. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Not to mention the circus of a court that Jesus received when he's brought before rulers who would literally ask a crowd, what should I do with him? 
the crowd pipes up and everybody starts, starts going, going crazy, uh, thinking of Jesus as some sort of criminal. I guess this mob mentality ensued. I guess they must have forgot that he raised their dead children or he fed 5,000 of them or he had walked among them and healed the lame and the blind. But they didn't think that seemed to matter when they released a murderer. This is a scandal. This is, this is a scandal of great proportions what happened to him. You see, let me add one last thing. If you skip over one chapter where we first read in John chapter 11, just skip over one chapter in John chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, it says, Then the leading priests decided, this is right after, this is right after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, okay? It says, Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. This is, this is, I'm reading, this is black and white text here. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. You see, this whole thing is a scandal of great proportions. It's unbelievable, the things that happened. I mean, can you imagine if something like this had happened in our day? The type of coverage that it would have gotten? The type of, I mean, this is, this is crazy. Just days earlier, they are literally throwing palm leaves on the ground, worshiping him. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest as he entered into Jerusalem during Passover. And days later, everyone is plotting to kill him behind his back. I say all that to say this. People have been trying to destroy the work of Jesus since Jesus they have been trying to hinder the work of God even when God himself was working. But how many of you know that questions could not trap him? Rulers could not sway him. Beatings could not break him. A cross could not finish him. A tomb could not hold him. And death itself could not defeat him. It's true. But on the third day he rose again in a new body, in a new form, in a new authority. And now he's not standing, but he's seated at the right hand of the Father. His enemies are his footstool. Death is subject to him. The keys of hell have been broken. And now all of mankind can access the Father. We've been made righteous because for our sake, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that through him, we could become the righteousness of God. That is the scandal of grace, my friends. That is what this is all about. Now, what happened to Jesus, what happened to Jesus was scandalous. But how many of you know that any scandal deserves, deserves good exposure? And you see that scandal that the enemy meant for evil and religious leaders meant to plot and to kill Jesus and destroy his credibility, destroy his work, that it was actually used to bring about to us righteousness and access unto God. It's a scandal called grace. It's a scandal where God literally traded, traded our sins for righteousness. He traded our death for eternal life. He traded our pain for healing. He traded our sickness 
for well-being. He traded it, and it's a scandal. You know why? Because we didn't deserve it. And it comes through access through Jesus Christ. My friends, it's a scandal called grace. I want to give you two points tonight. Two points tonight about this scandal. Because you hear me tell you something. As Christians, as believers, as disciples, as followers of Christ, we have a duty to spread the rumors of this scandal of grace. It's true. So listen, the first thing is this. Scandals are spread through rumors, right? They always start. Scandals always start that way. They always start with things like, like, did you hear about, right? But did you know that, right? This is how they start. This is how good scandals start. They start with these little tidbits of, of, of uh, kind of information that you want to hear more about, want to tease you with. You see, as believers, I believe that we need to start more conversations with, but God. When people come to us and they say, you know something, my, my friend, I have a friend and they're in the hospital. Yes, but God. Or somebody says, you know something, my finances are just out of whack. You know what? But God can. And so these types of situations come in. And because let me tell you something, there's plenty of negative things to talk about. How many of you know there's plenty of negative things to talk about? But not enough people, not enough Christians, not enough believers are spreading this scandal of grace. They're not spreading the rumors about what God is doing. More conversations need to start with, did you hear what's happening at Celebration Church? Did you hear what's happening at Crystal Williams Life Group? Did you hear that the family, they're actually, the marriage, they're going to stay together? Did you hear that they're son actually came home did you hear that she's off of drugs did you hear that there's people jumping in the parking lot with signs and two people came in off the street they got saved that day did you hear that there's people getting baptized on may 7th did you hear that there's the rooms was so full they had to add chairs did you hear that they had to start a fourth service did you hear that's what's going on in this community in the body of believers in the church today did anybody a part of that scandal More conversations need to start that way. More conversations need to start with, but God did this. But did you hear about what's going on? More conversations need to start that way. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says this. It says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he's done for you. I had this thought the other day. I was praying in my son's room, right? I'm not trying to sound all spiritual or anything, but I was, it was in my son's room, and I rock him to sleep. And um, I just was praying, and, and, and I, used to, I used to think, this room is too small. My son needs a bigger room. This is, you know, my, my, and I started having these thoughts. My house is too small, and, 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 and maybe I could be doing more, this and this. And I started having these thoughts. And, and I remember that as I started to just I, I change my prayers from things that concerned me, and instead, I started to thank the Lord, okay? I literally just kind of changed my heart's, my heart's prayer to just being thankful. I'm being transparent right now. And so I started saying, God, thank you for my house. God, thank you for my son that he's healthy. God, thank you that my son has his own room to sleep in. 
God, thank you that there's a crib here and, and, it, and it's got nice, he's got nice things in his room. God, thank you for the ceiling fan. God, thank you that there's cool air in here when he gets hot. God, thank you. And you know what happened? You know what was so interesting? It was a scandal. It was, it was crazy. The room got bigger. I'm not kidding. The, the room got bigger. His room got bigger. Not because physically it got bigger, but because in here, my perception of what I was thankful for became larger. How many of you know that when we would stop looking at our problems like this and start seeing the things that God has done for us all around us, it becomes scandalous. It really is. And we need to start talking about it more. We need to start spreading and giving more exposure to the things that God is doing in our church, to the things that God is doing in our lives. And I'll tell you something, because it's really, really easy, and I, I want to be sensitive to this too, and understand that there are things going on in our lives that are not perfect, that are not worthy of praise, that are not excellent. But you know what the Bible says in Philippians 4.8? It says, don't think about those things, but think about these things. Whatever is right, true, just, pure, honorable, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise, think on those things. And with much joy and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understandings will what? Guard your hearts. And it will guard your minds. That's scandalous. In Christ Jesus. That's a scandal we're spreading, church. That's a scandal worth talking about. It's a scandal called grace. We didn't deserve it. The Bible says we clearly didn't earn it. But it was freely given to us. My second point goes like this. Scandals gain followers. Um, this is an old clip, but it's kind of cool because it kind of shows you the timeline of what we talked about with Jesus. And uh, it does it in a really kind of relevant way. Check out this clip real, here, real, real quick.
stand to your feet for me please the Bible says in Romans 8 28 and we know that God works together for the good somebody say the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose you see a good scandal is spread through rumors It's time us as believers, we start spreading the rumors of what God is doing in our community, in our families, in the local church, in the daily interactions we have with people, whether it's something as simple as someone in the grocery store, Starbucks, maybe it's that person you've sat across in the office. And I want you to know A good scandal, someone like scandal of grace, this scandal, what happened to Jesus. It's got a following. We are the body of Christ. We are his disciples. We are his followers. And it is our job to spread the good news of what God is doing and to remember that We as followers, God is working for the good. He is for us. He is not against us. And it's our job to spread that news. I want to challenge you with something. Let's start some more conversations this week that begin with, but God. But God. And did you hear about and talk about what God is doing, the good things that God is doing all around us. Now, I talked a little bit about a following, becoming a follower of Christ, and maybe some of you in this room have never had that opportunity. I'd like to give you that opportunity right now. And it's very simple. The Bible says that God has prepared a place for us, that he traded our sins for eternal life. 100% man, 100% God came into the earth. He who be knew no sin 
became sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Eternal life comes through belief in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. With all heads bowed and every eye closed, do me a favor. If that's you, you say, I would like to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you raise your hand right now? Would you like to say, I I believe that. Put your hand up right now. Thank you for that hand. I see those hands. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, we love you. Thank you for trading your life for mine. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you prepared a place for me in heaven. And I believe that believing in you, I have eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Celebration Church, there's no official dismissal. The band is going to do what they do. They are going to worship, and we encourage you to linger as long as you like. Don't forget, Good Friday service from 6 to 7 p.m. and all three services for Easter. Thank you, Celebration Church. 